0: poo boo sit, poo boo sit.
1: Girl,
0: doctor. some bad hat hair. It's a like... cool
1: Get any of that? Not a doctor. Bye, have a good one. I make it. Good everybody. Absolutely.
2: Hello and welcome to Hunting Seasons, the podcast that dares to binge-watch, deep-dive and break down a season of television each and every episode. I'm Broderick Gordis. I'm Damask Leary. And today we'll be discussing Stranger Things Season (laughs) 3. Damask Leary, how was Western Australia...
3: Oh, it was pretty bloody good. <laughs> I mean, it rained every day. Oh. I did see a rainbow every day, though. So I was like, WA is good.
2: That's looking yeah. on the upside.
3: <laughs> it, no, I had a really lovely time. Angela and I went over there for a wedding. It was romantic. I, don't, I didn't really know the couple. Like, I've met them twice. Sure. And they're lovely. Oh, good. But, and I cry at every wedding I've ever been to. But oh. I like, because oh, I don't really know that I'm not going to cry. So it started bawling. Wow. Just, like, I can't help. It's so beautiful. It's such a beautiful thing to witness. I I love a wedding. How was uh? You went uh, way, way north, didn't you?
2: I did. I went up to Cairns, Port Douglas, uh, Mm -hmm. in the very north of Queensland. Every time I look at the map, I get surprised by how north it is. Mm. Because Brisbane's sort of like, not, not to get into like geography here. It's actually people think Brisbane's like north. It's actually kind of in the middle.
3: It's really not very north. Of- it's, it's not it's very north at all. It's the south of Queensland. Yeah, yeah. and yeah.
2: Queensland's a big part of Australia. Mm. Yeah, right. Not up north. as
3: big as WA. I'll win.
2: Not that's true. That's <laughs> true. But you were in the very south there. We yeah, I was. Yeah. yeah. Uh, no, it was great. It was good to be somewhere warm because right now in Melbourne it's fucking freezing. Mm-hmm. Uh, got to go to the Great Barrier Reef. Never been there before. I've
3: never been either.
2: Get there sooner than later. It would be my. (laughs) Was it all bleached
3: and white, or was it nice?
2: Some of it, a lot of it was. Yeah, yeah. a lot of it is bleached. Um, We did get to see some amazing wildlife, but you can see Mm. how the reef is really struggling at parts. And it's not like, like it's important to talk about how things are bleached doesn't mean that things can't be replenished. But the problem is if it keeps bleaching and bleaching and bleaching, then there's less and less and less chance of it coming back. Basically, Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. No, saw some amazing things. Got to swim with a couple of sea turtles.
3: Fuck yeah, that's awesome. Very
2: cool. A couple of sting, a stingray. Uh, starfish, lots of like Nemo and Dory type fish and stuff like that. Mm-hmm, um, there was whale. There was a whale, a humpback whale on the way out, That's which cool. we got very close to, which is cool. And dolphins decided to swim by us <gasps> uh, on the oh. way back. So it was nice. pretty fucking great. Just That, that sounds part very cool. On its own. And then in general, it's just nice to be yeah, somewhere warm. Go to the Dane Tree. Just get amongst the trees. Oh, know, tree the rainforest so beautiful. It is, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's gorgeous. Didn't see any wild cassowaries, but saw some... Uh, Something domestic ones? Oh. Yeah. domestic <laughs> Some ones, yeah, domestic ones. Some people riding them around, you know. <laughs> yeah. it, was, it was a cassowary race. That's cool. Yeah, uh, yeah. I should also mention we didn't have an episode last week. We thought we were going to record a little bit earlier. You we were happen.
3: naive to think that...
2: It was silly to think I'd that. I'd be coming
3: back from a holiday and be like, yeah, totally. I'm going to be uh, doing that.
2: Myself too. I mm. like I had a hard time. This is the other problem we had. Where we stayed in uh, Port Douglas, did not have internet. Like It didn't have Wi-Fi. Which, mm. if I was booking it, just to say to uh, the person who did book it, I would have got a place with Wi-Fi, but whatever. Um, was we, it your
3: brother that booked it?
2: No, no, it wasn't.
3: Was it your girlfriend? No. Who were you critiquing here?
2: <laughs> <laughs> my, my girlfriend's brother's partner. Oh, that's it. There so, Leonie... I'm yeah. joking. Um, so, <laughs> what we ended up having shout to do... Out to Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> what we ended up having to do was basically connect the TV, which is a smart TV, mm. to my cell phone to start watching Stranger Things yeah. on it. My g- mobile phone, mate. G- g- yeah, but great way mm. to completely stuff your data. Yeah.
3: Like Oh, yeah, no, because my data's also stuffed. Yeah. Because...
2: Yeah. yeah, and I've got a lot of data. Uh, I do I too. it
3: from my holiday, yeah.
2: But watching, watching stuff on Netflix will kill it for yeah. you. Constantly
3: downloading Stranger Things. Yes. <laughs> to my phone.
2: Exactly. Yes, yeah. uh, yeah, so we are back now, and uh, let's get straight to it then with our spoiler free review of Stranger Things Season 3. Let me clue you in. Season in review. After a nearly two-year break, Stranger Things returns for a third go-around. At first glance... Things look pretty familiar. We're still following the same group of misfit kids, though they're a bit taller and much more interested in putting one another's tongues in close proximity. Hopper and Joyce are still pretending they don't want to jump each other's bones, and Jonathan and Nancy are sadly still a part of this story. Oh, and there is also a brand spanking new shopping mall in Hawkins that may actually be built from perms, rolled up sleeves, and shoulder pads. It's just so 80s. The Duffer Brothers remain the creative force behind the show, with a complete return of all the core cast, and joined by a few notable newcomers, including Carrie Elwes as Mayor, Larry Klein, and Maya Hawke as Robin. Stranger Things 3 consists of eight episodes, each coming in at around 55 minutes, and took us approximately seven hours and 25 minutes to watch. There has been no official word on if Stranger Things will return for a fourth season, but based on season 3's apparently ginormous streaming numbers, it does seem inevitable. So, Damask, do you remember what we thought of season one and two?
3: Love season one. Mm -hmm. Love, love, loved it. That was so fucking cool. And I remember being less impressed by season two.
2: Do you remember sort of by what degree less impressed? Like, actually, now, two years Mm. later, right? In your mind, was season two somewhat comparable and just a little bit behind? Or was it like a long way back and so of didn't like as much?
3: I mean, I might be wrong because. I guess we watched it a long time ago. But I remember being pretty fucking disappointed with a lot of it. Sure. Yeah.
2: It's funny, because I've I felt the same way. Mm. I've listened back to a bit of our review and we weren't that cold on it. Oh, that's cool. Like we definitely thought there were some elements that were disappointing Mm. and like the pace and stuff wasn't as good. And there were certain elements in particular that I remember particularly around Joyce that you were very disappointed with. Yeah. Um but and Overall, Al, um, we still the maxing thought it was and, good. and all that stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um <clears throat> so I did go back and have a look. We both gave season one a four point five. Nice. And we both gave season two a three point five, nice. which is a considerable step down, but not like it's not awful, terribly is it? bad. Yeah. yeah it's it was still good. good. And mm. in a lot of ways, we were excited for season three, I think. Um, one of the things we talked about was season two, unlike season one, which is more of a standalone thing we thought that sort of forced mm. into this serialized yeah. ongoing story. Season two was setting things up for more story, mm-hmm. and maybe that was going to be a good yeah. thing.
3: I'm sure we spoke about growing pains and
2: like, yeah, growing that pains. Kind of when season twos have to try like and... like a Cora thing, yeah. We brought up of that exact, we did. Example. <laughs> exact example, exact example. Yeah, uh, yeah. We Joyce being pushed aside a bit in season two was not great. Max and Billy we thought were pointless inclusions, and episode seven sucked. Yeah, um, and that remains to be true. So with that in mind. Can you give me your spoiler-free review of Stranger Things three?
3: You know what, Broad? You can go God first this it. time. God oh, damn it! Oh, you don't it. want to?
2: No, that's fine. That's fine. Okay. <laughs> Uh, I was a little later than most getting around to watching this season of Stranger Things, as forementioned, the holiday Wi-Fi issues. Mm -hmm. And sadly, I wasn't able to avoid some of the initial impressions online. Aw, poo. Maybe it was just my little online bubble talking, but straight away the negativity was coming through there. And the sizzling hot takes were also there. And so, as I finally started watching episode one, I was ready to deal with a show that just could no longer satisfy. Mm. And by the end of the first episode, all I could think was... Wow, it feels good to be back. Yeah. I, would, I thought this season was incredibly fun. Me like, too! Like that's the word that comes to mind straight away. Like oh,
3: My review is full of that word. Oh, good. Absolutely. That, that, is,
2: that is the word that comes to yeah. mind. I just had a really, really good time watching this. And since then, I've seen a few takes on how this has been like... Stranger Things has sort of become like a summer blockbuster, you know, mm-hmm. and they've released it, you know, in July, the summer movie period and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, though, I think the first season sort of released around the same time as well. But yeah, they, I, I think that's a really apt way of discussing it. And that might be disappointing for some people, I think, that the first season is kind of in a lot of ways, a little bit more straightforward sci-fi thriller Mm. with some big moments like set pieces in there and stuff like that. But this one does feel there's a lot more adrenaline Mm -hmm. behind this one.
3: Yeah, good word.
2: Um, I think one of the things that's helped this season, as compared to season two at least, is that they were maybe given a bit more time to conceive of and bring this season together and write this season. Um, I can see the criticism elements may seem familiar to season one and two, but unlike season two, this season was much better constructed. Actively, I think they've actively worked to fix some of the our own personal problems with season two. Mm-hmm. So first of all, we had a problem that there was just Joyce wasn't given enough to do in season two. Mm-hmm. I was really happy to see that early on. Joyce is very proactive.
3: Oh, oh my god! Oh my god! Yeah. Right.
2: Joyce is being Joyce again. Absolutely. And like intellectually curious and innately knows that something's not right. Mm-hmm. And trusting re- our instincts. trusting mm-hmm. her instincts. Trusting her instincts and willing to pursue that. And not be told no. Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm.
2: Excellent. Happy to see Joyce doing that. They made Max and Billy a mo- lot more relevant.
0: Mm. Max
2: in particular really does feel like a part of our core cast now. Yeah. We can talk a bit more about how Billy was used, I think, in spoilers and mm-hmm. how effective that was or wasn't. Mm-hmm. But at least I felt like, oh yeah, this seed they planned in season two has had a lot of purpose in this season. So mm-hmm. it made even season two feel a little bit better because of that. The new characters they introduced this season... Uh, much more interesting and well-implemented than, say, Billy and Max were in season two as well. Uh, Robin in particular? Mm. Fuck, I love Robin so, so much. Good.
3: Such a good character. Such a great character. So much fun to watch. Oh.
2: And her pairing with Steve?
3: Mm.
2: Bellissimo. Mm. I loved it. Mm-hmm. Could not get enough of it. I want a show of just those two forever and ever. <laughs> um Unlike season two also, this had no bad episodes. One of the biggest things we found about season two is there is a absolutely horrendous episode. Standout
3: episode. (laughs) Standout,
2: terrible episode Mm -hmm. in season seven of season two. Nothing like that even comes close. In fact, I'm going to just lay something out right now. Mm. I have not been able to decide on a least favorite or favorite episode.
3: I think I've got a favorite. Yeah. But I don't have a least favorite. But
2: I think it's... For one big reason. Mm. I think, A, there's no bad episode, so it's hard to come up with the least favorite episode. Mm -hmm. But overall, this season just does seem like one sort of stretched out, very well paced, Mm -hmm. eight hour long Mm -hmm. movie. Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. actually trying to cut out individual episodes, except for maybe the last one. Yeah. As its own sort of entity is very difficult. It is, yeah. And I kinda just feels like one extended long episode. Mm-hmm. Not that like I was able to walk away from it. I watched it sort of in two episodes at a time sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um but it was very hard to like go and like we've talked about how that's a problem. I, I kind of do miss the days where episodes felt a little bit more like their own individual thing. But for this season of television
3: I think it, it depends whether it drags or not.
2: Sure. <clears throat> if well, it
3: drags then I would like, you know, episodes that I can kind of like separate and that kind of thing. totally. But if it if I'm just Going along and the pace is mwah, perfect. I don't mind.
2: Especially with this model where they want it to be bingeable. Like they yeah. really expect people to just sit down and like watch this thing over a weekend, mm-hmm. basically. And I think they did that very well. One of the things I really liked here was that the pacing was fantastic. It built, seemed to build, like even though I didn't necessarily feel like each individual episode had its own identity, it did seem to have this sort of like build to a crescendo at, mm-hmm. in every episode. And Also what happened in season two is they seemed to sort of separate our characters a bit too much and it took them a while to bring them back together. They did that again this season, but yet they made the stories intercut Mm -hmm. in the way it was presented and constructed at least much more satisfying way. They would all build to a moment or two or three of them would build to a moment at the same time Mm -hmm. and you'd feel that tension, that excitement as it was happening. And then we get to the end of the episode. we'd start again with another little hook and we'd build, 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 mm-hmm. and then go again. It was just, it was very, very well paced all the way through. And the whole season doesn't start nearly as slow as season two did and then has a huge crescendo at the end too. It's it's really, really well paced. Overall I thought it was a huge step up from season two. Not quite the Stone Cold classic that season one is, but a great return to form. And I look forward to the inevitable season four. I just hope they do what they did this time and don't Rush it. Taking the time, not feeling the pressure to like, we've got to get this season two out while, you know, the iron's hot. Mm. Take your time. Let yourself ride it and construct it the best way possible. It worked out really well from this time. Well,
3: yeah, I don't think it it has the same fever pitch as like, you know, after season one sure. being so big, they're not being probably pressured by
2: Netflix. Netflix, to, um, Netflix also to has kind of too get, much content anyways. Yeah, it is. Get
3: something out ASAP. So yep. they, you know. I think probably Netflix is more confident that like it can be a slow burn.
2: Yeah, it's not totally. like a flash
3: in the pan type situation.
2: So yeah, that's my review. What about you, Damask?
3: Look, I'm just going to be reiterating a lot mm. of what you have said. Uh, it makes me very, very excited that you are excited about the show too. <laughs> All right, so a new setting brings new adventures in season three of Stranger Things. Friendships dissolve, they fortify, they merge. And more are brought forth in the third instalment of Stranger Things as the kids move into adolescence and begin to deal with all the drama many of us are familiar with and some that we are definitely not. With the emotional core of the show, you know, it's always been the friendships between the kids and the parents. But what takes it to that next level and what makes Stranger Things the phenomena that it is, is its devotion to early 80s sci-fi and horror. Now, I'm not an expert on any of this stuff. I'm sure there are a million, a million references that I just am not going to get. Because I was born in 89, hmm. so I was not uh, experiencing those things as they were coming out. But, um, you know, we've, we've continued, you know, paying homage to those things. So, this year we've got Terminator, which I only saw probably when I was in my late teens. Red Dawn. Wait, which, wait,
2: I- which Terminator films? Just one or both? One and two. Oh, really? Yeah. See, the funny thing is... I've seen seen,
3: parts, but not all of it.
2: I've seen two a Mm. trillion times. Oh, I've definitely seen
3: two way more. It
2: was always on Channel 10 here in Australia. Always. Always that and Groundhog Day and Happy Gilmore and Good Madison. (laughs) Um, But one I've barely... I think I've seen once. My entire life, I've seen one.
3: Yeah, I think I've only seen either of them maybe once through each. Yeah. There's Red Dawn, which I saw when I was way too little. Mm -hmm. And the thing. Not the
2: remake with, uh, I think, Liam? No, Chris Hemsworth. Chris Hemsworth, I I think.
3: No, I didn't watch that. Even though Chris Hemsworth is my boyfriend. And the thing which I, I. What about
2: Chris Evans? He must be very upset with that news.
3: I love Chris Evans, but, and I, I'm in love with the person like Captain America,
2: uh-huh. but
3: Chris Evans himself, cool dude, but he's not my boyfriend. Sure. Chris Hemsworth is my boyfriend. <laughs>
2: cool. Steve Rogers, maybe. <laughs>
3: Steve, oh. Steve
2: Rogers is your husband. Husband. sure, oh, sure yeah, yeah. Sure. And that makes Chris sense. Chris Hemsworth
3: is my piece on the side. Gotcha. Um. <laughs> and then obviously, we have The Thing, and I'm sure a million, like I said, other things that I just simply don't recognize. Um, now, this show is an adventure series, and it's unlike anything else that I'm getting from TV at the moment. It, you know, has The Big Bad. Um, this season is the next evolution of the previous, and it's nice to have our well worn warriors back to use all they've learned from before. And it's like you said, like this season we have them all separated, mm-hmm. like we did last season. But I think maybe we've kind of like, we understand how it's working this time, I guess. And it and as do the writers and the creators and they know how to like tie it all in in a much more satisfying
2: way. It did feel connected. Because one mm. thing, although they weren't necessarily directly interacting with each other, mm-hmm. you felt there was like a knock-on effect from one story yes, to the next. Yes, absolutely. Yeah.
3: Um, Which was wonderfully done. Like, yeah, season two was quilted together as well. It's just like the stitching was much more seamless this time, which is nice. Agreed. Um, Now, nostalgia might have been a big selling point originally with this show, and I found a lot of reviewers um, were really harping in on that point, Mm -hmm. this nostalgia value. But like I said, I didn't grow up in the 80s, and I might have watched, you know, a few of the things that this show references But I didn't grow up with that stuff, so I don't have that sense of nostalgia. Um, So, this show, it's less about the pop culture references to me than it is about watching a bunch of curious kids and their jaded parents figure out a mystery. Mm -hmm. Like, that that is so much fun for me. I don't care about all the 80s references. It's nice flavour for what's on screen, but I'm not watching for it for the nostalgia and so i guess i'm not burnt out by it like apparently some of these reviewers are i'm not sure i 100
2: agree with you and it's it's that's what i think is maybe missing i understand if maybe you feel like patronized by the Mm. nostalgia plays in it but like i i have i know of new coke Mm. because i've heard about new coke in pop culture like Second hand mm-hmm. we, didn't, we didn't experience New Coke No, no like, idea No memory of it I'm curious to try it actually <laughs> I'd love to know what it actually tastes like So I can sort of be in on that joke there Yeah. And that's Well it's actually something that's funny I was listening back to our a Good Omens um, episode as well And mm. I was like It annoyed me that a lot of There was too much I thought reference humour in there Where mm. they went like Did a Dirty Harry gag Or they did like a Back to the Future reference And stuff like this And I found that irritating in Good Omens Because I didn't feel like it fitted. Yeah. It doesn't irritate me at all in this, mainly because they just really lean into it. Mm -hmm. And I think it is just part of the flavor. It's like. And it
3: also helps that, like, this is a show about kids who, you know, coming into adolescence. Mm -hmm. When you're a kid and in your adolescence, Pop culture is your culture. It's you, how you that, communicate. How it's how you, your language. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So it makes sense that if you're going to have a very referential mm. show, that you make it about kids and adolescents. So that that makes perfect sense. And if it's in the '80s, that's the culture they're going to be talking about.
2: Yeah, I'm with you. The nostalgia thing does not work on me. So I just. Yeah, I just find it a fun part of the flavor. Great. So.
3: Yeah. Um, so, just this season, I get more of what I love in the first season. It, like I said, has just has extra flavor that comes from confidence. You can feel mm-hmm. the confidence this season. The Duffer Brothers know this world, its characters, and are having fun with it all. Fun is the word again. I'm in. I am so in with the amount of fun that this show brings. It was a step up from the last and had me falling in love all over again. Yeah, look, many of the criticisms I did have for last season have been rectified this year. Characters have been fleshed out. Relationships were created and then developed. Mm -hmm. And the pacing, like you said, is on point. Really good. This was a fantastic effort that I recommend everyone watch. I fucking loved it. I had so much fun, 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 fun. It was
2: good. Mm. That's cool too because I think we've had a couple of like seasons that have been like, oh, it's trying real hard. We sort of went on board with it. Yeah. Especially Good Omens was sort of a little bit let down by mm-hmm. the elements we liked. I'm, I just had a good time with this. Me too. Let's talk about something else that's referenced though before we get to spoilers. Mm. How do you feel about the uh, needle drops, as people like to say in, the, in these shows? The music? The amount of like music, recognisable pop music that's mm. in this show. Because it's not like it hasn't always been there. Mm -hmm. But boy, did it seem like it was like ratcheted up to 11 to make a Spinal Tap reference. Um, Like, it was really, really frequent this season. The amount of times that like the subtitles on the show said, such and such song plays. You know Mm. what I mean? It was Frequent. the first two episodes in particular was like almost to the point of distraction I thought and not necessarily in a bad way but just like boy this is obvious now guys and it's like your score has disappeared you've got a pretty interesting like synthy score mm. where is it gone it's just all pop music did, that know- did you notice that at all did it
3: um I obviously noticed there was a lot of that music in it um I didn't notice that it was more than previous seasons sure. um but I also think that the more we go into the mystery and things become quite serious, mm. the more that like darker kind of Cynthia music kind of comes out. So at the beginning, like it's like the end of summer and the kids sure, are all coming together sure. and it's like building that energy, that excitement, like, oh, we're all coming back together again and we're going to start a new adventure. So I don't know, it, it, did, it didn't bother me and it didn't distract me.
2: Cool. So, you don't think that... So, as far as the criticism goes, do you think it's a fair criticism that people have about that? Like, it goes right yeah, alongside that nostalgia. Yeah. If
3: you're noticing it and it yeah. is distracting you, then that's an issue. It wasn't an issue for me, but I don't discount anyone's... Ex- if that was their experience and that ma- that makes sense to me, sure.
2: Sure. Uh, there's a good chance I only noticed it as much as I did because, again, I've been exposed to a little bit of that early reaction. And it was mm. all about, like... Well, oh boy, they keep playing like licensed music and, oh, boy, it's all about New Coke. Yeah. And
3: I've, like I, Like I said, I found it fun and it um, infused the episode with energy and got me excited for things to come.
2: Cool. Yeah. What is your final score and ranking? We can do rankings for this one. So, I
3: couldn't remember the scores that we gave sure. previously. Do so you want me to remind you? you? I mean, you reminded me Good. just before, but it's actually quite funny because the rating I've given is perfect. So, season one was 4.5. Yep. And season three, uh, season two was 3.5. Correct. And I've given this one 4. <laughs> I have
2: done exactly the <laughs> same thing. I was
3: totally ignorant of what, I'd, what I didn't know what I'd given before because I couldn't remember. But yeah, it makes sense. But so I'm happy with that.
2: Do you feel like, again, just thinking back on our previous reviews of the mm. other two seasons, do you feel, feel, still feel like that 4.5 and that 3.5 are about right?
3: Yeah, I think that's pretty on yeah, the money.
2: Cool. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm giving you a 4 as well. I just want to, with my final thought here, just want to reiterate what you said about this show being unique on television at the moment. Mm. Because I do feel that way. As you yeah. said that, I agree. It's like there isn't a lot of other like adventure fun shows like mm-hmm. this going on. There are plenty of like dark sci-fi things going yeah. on, but nothing that really hits. Like Game of Thrones sort of has that the epicness element to mm-hmm. it, I guess, with dragons and stuff. But well, this is like an adventure different. mystery.
3: Like it feels like a book series that you would read as a kid, yeah, but has like, but obviously created for adults. And that's like, that's exciting.
2: Well, funny enough, it's kind of created for everybody.
3: I mean, it gets pretty gory. It's
2: this, <laughs> this season actually super gross. Yeah,
3: Cause I actually started watching the first four episodes with, uh, I was saying it a. uh, Friend's place and their, I think she's 10-year-old daughter was there. At one point, she she had to leave. It was just too (laughs) great. It was too scary. I
2: I just keep hearing from a lot of like tween teenagers Mm. that they love Stranger Things. That's
3: cool. That's awesome.
2: Obviously, with the, you know, our sort of main cast of like, what are they? Teenagers now, I guess. Mm. um, I can see why they'd be into that. That's obviously very... Easy to latch onto them, mm-hmm. um, yeah. It seems to have a reasonably wide appeal. I would say it's PG to M, probably in terms of Australian mm, yep. sort of stuff. Particularly
3: this season, yeah.
2: Particularly this, se- yeah. It really, really was very gross. <laughs> it was gross at times. Uh, excellent. Well, before we dive into spoilers, we'd like to remind everyone that if you enjoy what we do here, we'd really appreciate you sharing the podcast with others who you think might also enjoy listening. We also appreciate your positive reviews on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and Spotify, or whatever podcast platform you prefer. But right now, let's talk spoilers.
1: Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices
0: You're now entering the spoiler zone.
2: Spoiler warning. On this episode, we'll be discussing everything that happens in season one, two, and three of Stranger Things. Before listening any further, we recommend watching all of Stranger Things up to this point. If you've not yet done so, proceed with caution. There are spoilers ahead. You You have have been been warned.
1: warned. Deep dive. It's cool to know other people think about this stuff too.
2: Do you feel like the show has changed? Do you feel the change from season one? Like, does this feel like a different show to you? Or does it feel like I feel like consistent? It doesn't feel like a different
3: show at all. No, it feels like the same show. Yep. But the characters have evolved and they're growing up. But it's still like, it still has the same essence to it. Sure. Absolutely. You
2: don't think the tone has evolved? Because I think the thing about season one, like I think I said that earlier, is that it's kind of more of like a sci-fi thriller with some adventure elements to it, right? Like, the thing about season one is it starts, and this is a problem I have with season two. If season one starts, bam, we are in the middle of mm-hmm. a mystery straight away. Mm. Season two and three both take some time to get into that. And so, it doesn't sort of, it starts, they start very like, um, I mean, they really just start as sort of like teen dramas in a way. Um, which is not a bad thing. Mm. I just felt like this season, it was so much more bigger in scope and action that like the opening titles don't seem to fit as well as it did in season one. I love those opening titles. Mm. I will never skip them. I don't
3: think I agree with that.
2: I just thought thought that the the way they are sort of presented and the music and everything, it's got that real like almost, it's not quite a um, uh, Twilight Zone, but something of that ilk feel to it, which really fits season one for me. And this mm. one now, I feel like it needs it could do with a little bit more energy to to just reflect the tone of the show. now. I mean,
3: I yeah, I think the Stranger. This is not things, a criticism. This is an observation. Yeah, yeah, the Stranger Things, yeah, theme and titles and all that stuff. Like, I think it still very much does fit things like it and the thing, and and we're okay. getting like still like those types of elements in there. Yes, like we've got different kind of you know eighties action stuff in there as well now, but. You know, it's all about, like, the creepy underbelly of what's going on in a small town, which I think fits still.
2: yeah. Sure. Is there anything in particular you wanted to talk about today? Is there anything at, like, the top of your list that you wanted to discuss?
3: Um, let's talk about Robin and Steve.
2: Okay. That's a good place to start. I thought so.
3: The best place to start.
2: So, tell me about Robin and Steve. What is it that you liked about them so much? <sighs>
3: So we already love Steve, obviously. Obviously, it's, it's like the best part of season two. Yep, and he's you know he's an idiot. He's just a lovable idiot, and it's nice. That charming
2: he- too. Like, oh,
3: very charming. Very charming. I kept
2: thinking he's sometime, a cutie pie. Mm. Like I was thinking sometimes this season he doesn't look like Harrison Ford, but I could like I could have seen him playing like a young Han Solo in a way. Mm. He's got that like uh, there's the charm, but also the sort of dorkiness to him that I think. Han Solo, a young Han Solo would have. He's trying to figure things out. What Maybe more of an Indiana Jones type in mm. a way. Anyway, he's yeah. a bit of a nerd too. Go on.
3: <laughs> it's a bit of a nerd too. Yeah. Um, so, and it's just nice to kind of have this Robin character with her Daria-esque wit, dry wit, just kind of calling him out on being an idiot. Mm-hmm. And it's a very cute relationship mm-hmm. because they shouldn't have any stakes in what each other are doing, mm-hmm. and yet they have this playfulness that makes them care about each other from the very beginning, even if it is just kind of like antagonistic in a way. It's very cute to watch that evolve.
2: Extremely cute. Into they have a wonderful friendship that the, I love. Those so much. two actors. Mm. My my biggest thought at the end of this is why do we even have Jonathan and Nancy in the show anymore? Oh, we don't.
3: Throughout we, the season, I was like. Why do we have to cut to these idiots? Yeah. Nancy, I don't care about your journalism career. I'm sorry. These guys are fucking solving a Russian puzzle <laughs> the- while Joyce is off figuring out some sort of magnetic pulse that could be destroying the world. Sure. And Nancy's like, I am so sick of these men not respecting me in the office. Do you know,
2: it's funny though. She never, she didn't, to be fair to Nancy, she didn't necessarily like harp on it. She was mostly vote motivated by actually getting the story right? The show was really playing up the whole, like, one of my notes was just, parentheses, men laugh as yeah. like one of the subtitles because there was a lot of that. Every time Nancy yeah. enters a room, uh, uh, you know, just a bunch yeah. of men laughing no, at No, it's
3: not about, this isn't the criticism of like Nancy, the character, wanting sure. to be a journalist. I'm saying, comparing, like in um, comparison to the other storylines, having to go back to Nancy, figuring out a story, if she thought like, oh my God, this is, connected to something much bigger what is happening and i don't know it's still not gonna let's be honest it's not gonna compare to what everyone else is doing because no matter how they frame it
2: honestly i don't think the problem is their story i think the problem is that i don't give a shit about jonathan and nancy and they don't have any chemistry and their jonathan in particular is a fucking plank of wood so boring If as i
3: was writing my notes i had to look up Will Byers' brother, because I <laughs> forgot his name.
2: Yeah, yeah. I feel like if you took Steve and Robin and put them in that same storyline, it would be great because <laughs> they mm. would just have a chemistry as they were doing it. Whereas but Nancy also, like, dragging Jonathan along reluctantly yeah. to these things and then like them having a lovers' quarrel about it does not interest me. Well, that you've much. got two
3: ca- in a show that r- really we've got like. Horror, adventure, mystery, with a great amount of humor. And the humor really balances all that stuff out. Those two characters are humorless. There's nothing like enjoyable to watch in those scenes. And the mystery isn't compelling. So there's not a lot there. Other than like, oh, that old lady's eating fertilizer. That's gross. That was, which was quite cool. Was that but,
2: like Pat Oswald's mother or something like that? What? She, I, no, it just I got a real Pat Oswald vibe from that woman. She Just was from great. the performance. Yeah, she was great. <laughs>
3: she was great. Like I she was her. the best thing in their scene. She was, was
2: this older, woman. like legitimately, she was yeah. the best part. Uh, so yeah, somehow we got to uh, Nancy <laughs> and Jonathan. I feel like that was kind of going ha- to happen the last time as well. Uh, I mean, you went right in there.
3: Like you just immediately was like, well, it's better than that. <laughs>
2: Uh, But, yeah, no, the Stephen Robin stuff, their chemistry is amazing. It's just fun from the beginning. Those adorable outfits they wear. The adorable outfits. um, (gasps) All
3: right, if we ever go to a costume party soon,
2: we should dress as them. I can't do pull-off Steve. I can pull-off Hopper. I can't pull-off Steve. Yeah, you can. I believe in you. I can't pull-off Steve. I have to shave my beard. Just wear the the outfit is enough. Fine, okay. We can do Chips Ahoy. Yes. Scoops Ahoy. Scoops Ahoy. uh, Yeah. Outfit. That's fine. Thank I can you. do that. There's no, yeah. See, I could, I can imagine doing Hopper with his, um, his new like pink shirt. Oh, but amazing. Liam, Liam has already said next Halloween party. That's what he's doing. Yeah, so that's fair. Can't steal that from him. Off topic. Uh, <laughs> you know, they're, they're instantly, they instantly the is interesting. I've have you ever seen Maya Hawke in anything before this?
3: No. Because I, I was as we were watching. um I have, haven't I? Have no, I? No, I okay. don't think so. So as we were watching it, I was like. She has a funny accent. I'm like, I wonder if she's English. And so I looked at up. Wait, did her. you not
2: know who her parents were? No. And <gasps> so I
3: looked her up as we were watching a couple of episodes in. I was like... Because she, she has this very affected way of speaking. Yeah. and then A I bit looked, like her
2: mum. Yes. And then I looked it
3: up and I was like, oh, no fucking wonder. She speaks like Uma Thurman, who speaks <laughs> she, really weirdly. She
2: speaks and looks like yeah. and is a fucking spitting image of Uma Thurman, she's but with freckles. it's not a
3: spitting image. There's a oh, lot of similarity there. There's, but, there's, there's
2: a lot there. And especially yeah. when she's not, affected like they haven't done her hair and stuff the same way. Like mm. she, she looks a lot like her mother. Yeah which is not a bad thing. No. Uh, big fan. Big fan of Robin. <laughs> and my hockey <laughs> general. Creep? She's 21. That's fine. <laughs> uh, but, you yeah, know, the matchup is great. And so what I really want to talk to you, though, like obviously they do sort of set this up in a lot of ways is this like, start the season with Steve like stuck in this, shitty job in the mall Mm. you know all his friends have gone to college he has not Mm. we ended season two with him sort of like being left like not having a date at the prom you know he's not with nancy he's not with anybody else and then there's this other girl in his life and he's trying to pick up every chick that comes to him at the uh scoops ahoy counter and dustin's like there's this amazing girl right here Mm -hmm. who you should be interested in why aren't you and then so obviously they go on their big adventure and blah 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 and then they get really high which they have a lot of fun with those scenes Oh my scenes god, too. I love it. When they when they get the truth serum or whatever, <laughs> fuck that's fun.
3: It's so good. It's so really good. fun.
2: Fun, yeah. it's, it's going to come up a lot. Yeah. And then we eventually get, obviously, to the bathroom scene. And mm. like episode six or seven? Mm-hmm. Seven. Seven. And th- so we've sort of got to what we think is this moment of Steve mm. like realising, you know what? Maybe I can like this weird nerd. And mm-hmm. maybe I do like her a lot. <laughs> and i go got to say, I loved... The staging of that scene, yeah, them in the separate stalls, him having his sort of revelation, being pretty smooth about it too. I was very impressed with Steve oh, in that moment. I
3: mean, there's a reason he was a ladies' man in high school. It mm-hmm. wasn't just the hair. It
2: wasn't just the hair. Mm-hmm. And then, like the way he like scoots under like oh, the barrier and so stuff. So cute. And the shot from above. This is the other thing as well. This is a very when I say well constructed. This show, it's on so many levels. The pacing's great. Mm-hmm. The little narrative tricks they play to get people where they need to be is great. The mm-hmm. way it's con- just. Shot and um, and staged sometimes like that, mm. very effective. I'm glad they put that effort into that scene. And then the moment where we get the revelation that uh, Robin is gay. Mm. How do you feel about? I want your perspective on this first. How do you feel about that scene?
3: Um, I was shocked. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't see it coming because I thought Max was going to be gay. And so I was waiting. I was kind of waiting for that too. I was waiting the entire season. I'm like, and there was maybe like a bit of a hint that maybe Will was. I was like, well, they're never going to have two gay characters, particularly not in that friendship group. So I'm like, oh, well, okay, that's, I guess Max isn't going to be gay. And it goes on. And then that conversation starts. I'm like, oh, yeah, it's so cute. Like Steve's telling her how he feels and it's very charismatic and lovely. And I was all for it. And then she's talking, and she's like, "Oh, I wasn't, oh, <clears throat> I wasn't really paying attention to you. You weren't the point of me being obsessed with you. is actually this gal." And I was like, <clears throat> "What? <laughs> I'm sorry, what?" And uh, I thought it was really well done, and like I, I thought it was really well played. Like her trepidation obviously makes a lot of sense, mm-hmm. um, given the era and the location and all that, mm. all that stuff. So yeah, and obviously not using the the word. Lesbian or gay, because I don't think you probably would back then. Mm -hmm. Um, And Steve's reaction is fucking hilarious. So slow. But also, like, slow slow makes sense, one for the character, but also, like I said, the error and stuff. Like, you wouldn't, it wouldn't be the assumption.
2: I, like, I don't think it would be the, I think that would never cross Steve's mind.
3: Mm. Never, ever. Until told explicitly. It wouldn't cross anyone's mind. Sure. Yeah. So, um, it was it was very cute, and then his then trying to you know tell her tell her that that girl was you know do I think it was Teresa or something that she was like dumb and Tammy had a silly Tammy, whatever it was. Tammy, yeah, a silly singing voice, and it was just it was that, just that lovely was the friendship cherry. moment. That was and the then cherry on top. Giggling in the stall as like Dustin and Erica walk in, it's very cute. It's fun. It's cute. That's that's what this show should be called: called fun and cute.
2: Fun and cute. Yeah, the cherry on top for me in that scene is the Steve reaction
3: mm-hmm.
2: to because I realized and this was maybe I wanted to see what your perspective on this was, right? So we've introduced this character, we've now decide, we're now revealing he's gay, mm-hmm. right? We've had no she's got no romantic interaction with anybody else. Mm-hmm. We've got no indication before this that she was into women, at least not explicitly that I was aware of. Maybe mm-hmm. I missed something in season one, two. if you go back now, you go, oh right, yeah, she was into girls. But ultimately. In a way, you could argue that this whole story was growth for Steve, right? Mm-hmm. Because we've had him go from trying to get with Nancy, mm-hmm. being rejected by Nancy, being on his own, trying to get with other girls, mm-hmm. realizing he's into this other one, finding out she's never gonna be into him, and then deciding that's okay. We're gonna be we're gonna be good friends.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: Because we can be friends, yeah, and that should be fine too. So that's a that's a it's a great mm. moment for Steve, yeah. which just makes me love him more. Yeah, do you see? But it,
3: yeah, it could also be that like obviously he just enjoys Robin's friendship throughout. It's only Dustin who's constantly going, "Ah, oh, she should be a romantic interest. She should be a romantic interest." Sure, and there is chemistry there, but he's just like generally seems to enjoy spending time oh, with absolutely. her. And then obviously they get to that place of extra bonding, and he's like well, maybe I do like you because you're a girl and we get along and that's nice and then he skirts under and she's like, oh, well, that's not actually an option and so things don't change at that point, he's like, oh, we're still friends. It never
2: gets to a point where it changes but I think it would have been, I think it's interesting for the show to deliberately get you to that point like it's, yes, Dustin is maybe implanting this in his mind Mm. or whatever but it sets an expectation in the audience too, Oh, absolutely. So the message here is that- Yeah, it's
3: subverting that trope of like, oh, no, we don't like each other, we don't like each other. Oh, We do like each other.
2: Yeah. Yeah, And, but then to the final twist of being, but, that's not the point here. Mm. The point is, the guys and girls can also just be friends, Mm -hmm. right? And yes, they've taken, like, they really remove the option of the romantic thing, and that, like, that's a little bit of a cheat in some ways, you might argue, but- the way that Steve reacts is just such a positive, like,
0: mm-hmm.
2: like, I don't know. I could see these guys, you know, starting a radio show together, becoming best friends, or maybe a podcast <laughs> in right. 20 years or something Who like that. Knows? Who, Who knows, knows how this might work? Mm. Um, I I really, really love that scene. and yeah, it's wonderful. And I just, I guess I wanted to make, get your perspective on that revelation, like, introducing a gay character to the story, I think, mm. for the first time. You thought it was well handled? You were happy with, like...
3: Yeah, I mean like she's a very
2: cool character. To- I mean,
3: one she's just <laughs> fucking cool, yeah. But also like it it would it didn't come up cuz it wouldn't come up. Like there yes. was no reason for her to be like, oh, I I love that chick while they're trying to solve this huge Russian problem." Like it's it's not relevant until something Steve tries to make something romantic happen, she's like, "Oh, well now I have to tell you." Mm-hmm. Cuz obviously it would be a fucking huge secret. And not something that she would discuss with anyone unless she had to. So I make, I th- uh, yeah. I know like some people might want like more, and I think we will well, get I, more I in the season. Thing is we will get that. Yeah, now, we will right. get that. It's,
2: it's this but, is not uh, the end yeah, of the story. But I,
3: I read, I think it was in the New Yorker or something, and I was this fucking idiot, and he was like, oh, the rest of his review seems fine. And he was just like, oh, the character Robin is really good. But then there's this revelation that she's gay at the end, which just feels so tacked on and, like, placating the LGBT community. And I was like, <laughs> no, that's absolutely not what it is. Just because you're an idiot and need, like, signposts as a warm-up and a yeah. warning that a gay character is coming your way, <laughs> yeah. fuck off. Like, that's not what it is. Like, we just simply exist. And yeah. then like when it's relevant, then we'll tell you that we're gay or what, or however we want to do it. But like just to say it's tacked on, it's like, it's actually not, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, simply doing that one doesn't placate the LGBT community anymore. No, that's the thing. Anymore, fact, my,
2: my question was- It's almost was more my dangerous was, to add one and
3: do it badly because right. then you fucking get ripped.
2: A hundred percent, right? Yeah. That was sort of my thought there. Mm. It's the opposite, if anything. I don't think it's a problem, but yeah. Mm. Um, that actually reminds me a little no, bit. If you do
3: it badly, you should get ripped. Oh no, but, totally.
2: Yeah. I saw Booksmart, which are uh, oh, I want to see that so badly. Which we'll talk about in off-topic, hot topic. Mm. And it reminds me of a reviewer read of that, where the reviewer sits here and talks about he his complaints were things like the adult characters were underused because like they're played by famous people, they only have like two scenes, and. Uh, they thought, based on the era that's set and that's very liberal and stuff, you know, there was a missed opportunity for like a MAGA wearing like villain. It's like, you did not fucking watch this movie. <laughs> you came in with mm. a thought of what you want this film to be and mm. did not pay attention to the message or what this film was actually trying to do. Mm. It was so frustrating to read and go, what you're asking for is counterintuitive to what the movie is about. Yeah. And it's so yeah. fucking frustrating. It's similar to a, read that.
3: yeah, a, f- a reaction I had to a Forbes article about Stranger Things, which was he was talking about all about like the nostalgia and how the show hasn't evolved and all of these things. I'm like, he's like, I don't know. He was asking for some sort of like depressing show where all they talk about is like their past trauma. I'm like, yeah. I mean, sure, I have an element of that. Why not? But like, what do you want from this show? It's Stranger Things. It's a fucking adventure and it's fun. Yeah, anyway, a- but I was just like, man, you don't get it. Fuck off.
2: Uh, all right. Oh, one other thing I want to talk mm-hmm. about. Uh, Robert is the second character in the show with superpowers now. She seems to have the superpower of environmental inspiration. She just seems to always like hear something oh, and then it. like... Yeah. I've got it. I mm-hmm. like. It's figured it out.
3: <laughs> I love it.
2: I love it too. She's
3: like Sherlock Holmes. She's, She's like very, looks very around. Cool. and is like, oh yes, that makes sense.
2: Should we talk about the younger characters? Eleven, Max, and the boys. The not, boys. Including, not including Dustin because Dustin does get. No. Dustin, I gotta say, I like him when he's paired up with Steve. I didn't mind his stuff with Erica. His whole like ongoing thing about Susie mm. is cute.
3: Mm
0: -hmm.
2: Dustin wasn't the highlight for me this season but that's okay he was kind of the highlight last season Yeah, he
3: doesn't need to be the main event every time in fact I think it would probably get old hence why the Robin and Steve pairing was so refreshing because when we start obviously Dustin comes in and they do their little handshake thing and I'm like oh this is going to get old real quick like this like the, the, their, their buddy movie I'm like I saw that last season don't you're need this one you're giving the audience
2: what they want and then you like show them this whole other thing that yeah, they and I was yeah. like
3: I didn't even know I wanted that oh my god thank you Um, yeah so I'm glad that they added another element there to like there were the three of them and then eventually the four of them mm-hmm.
2: I also thought that sort of was true of the young the rest of the younger kids storylines mm-hmm. as well one of the things I think I a criticism of last season was they kept trying to make Mike the main character in some way. Mm. They kept trying to have him really involved in what was going on. Yeah. Um, when it should have been more about Will and it should have been more... Like Eleven had plenty to do and stuff like that. Mm. But it's like, why is Mike so involved here? Mike's got his storyline here. It seems really secondary to the actual story that's going yeah. on. and. It's cute. I, I like- love that
3: Mike is just Elle's boyfriend this season. Oh, that's exactly it, though. <laughs> that's his role. That is his Which role. Which is what it should be, because it's about fucking Elle.
2: <laughs> well, I mean, L is the linchpin of this show. Mm. And without L, they're all dead. Yep. Whenever there's a problem, mm-hmm. L is the solution. <laughs> yep. Um, but I thought that was really good, that you didn't feel like you had to make... Like, you can move the, the magnifying glass a little bit and mm-hmm. like, okay, this season it's more about... Ellen Max in a lot of ways, yep. um, and yeah, Mike and Lucas and stuff are there and they're a part of this adventure, but they're not the scent, the focal mm. point here anymore. I appreciate that.
3: You notice that all the men, all the male characters, um, are fucking idiots.
2: This that is something that's come up from from a lot of people this season. Is that it was really a season of like <laughs> motivated. Uh, yeah,
3: I think like- I I shouted maybe three to ten times throughout the season. I'm like Lady season. It's, it yeah. is. It is
2: a very lady season. Yeah. It's great. Uh, but not <laughs> not in a like not in a necessarily an obvious way no. or like over you know, the head way. It's just they happen to be mm. the pushing the story along yeah, the most.
3: I was like ladies be ladies mm. living their lives. Uh
2: so yeah, let's what did you think about overall that storyline where we got uh Elle and Mike's well, it starts with Elle and Hopper and Mike, really. And mm. Hopper, overprotective dad. Mm. There's been a lot of criticism from people online about Hopper this season. He's a bit of a... He's maybe just became a really bad person. How do you feel about I that? I don't think he
3: was a bad person. I just think he was like...
2: A flawed character?
3: <clears throat> a flawed character and very much like a dad of the time. Like, sure. My dad didn't have like that overt anger, but it was very much like rule-based and like, boys were the worst and just like it was you know, boys will be boys and boys only want one thing. Like my dad would say that all the time. Mm-hmm. Probably made me gay. I was like, well boys only <laughs> want one thing and I don't want to give that to them. Um so it it made sense. Is Hopper terrible in a lot of ways? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. But is he full of like love and honor and loyalty and all of these beautiful things as well? Yes. Absolutely he is. Like, he's like he's a flawed character, he's a complex character. And you know, this guy lost his daughter when she was very young. Yeah. He's this is the first time he's going through raising a daughter. And he's doing it alone. Alone. I mean,
2: this is why we had that scene with Joyce.
3: With little to no prep work. Yeah. Like he's he just has her now and he has to deal with what's going on. Mm-hmm. And he has no experience. And it's it's quite sweet that he does reach out to to Joyce and just like, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know what I'm doing. I am I know I'm angry about it. Yep. But I don't quite understand the situation. I don't know how to tackle it other than like being an angry asshole.
2: He doesn't know how to deal with teenagers. No. He's got no partner to help him with this at all. Uh-uh. He is a man who lost his daughter when he was very young. He's talked about like like almost PDST. PTSD. PTSD. I can't spell (laughs) or do an acronym Um, uh, in the past from like his previous experience. Mm. Like he is a scarred has a scarred history. Yes. Um, I think it makes sense that he has these issues expressing himself. I mean, that's the point. I mean, maybe the problem for some people was that the letter moment came too late in the season, right? Mm -hmm. Which really shows that he has this huge capacity for understanding and love, but he has a very hard time expressing it. Boy, Mm. that sounds like toxic masculinity and things we've talked about in a million shows before. And Mm -hmm. why are we holding him to a different standard there? And maybe it's because Hopper wasn't quite so aggressive like this towards children <laughs> in mm. the past which can be problematic i think specifically the scene with him and mike in the car is i looked at that and went yeah they could have maybe handled how inappropriate this was a little better i didn't you don't sense a you know, sense of remorse from hopper that he did anything wrong there and even mike like he's going he's crazy and stuff like that like that could have really traumatized that kid to have a grown man drive <laughs> you home and rip through you like that to be the way fair
3: When Hopper goes in to have a conversation with them. Oh, they're little shits. And Mike is so fucking rude. Oh, yeah. And then he drives him home. One, like, the sick grandma thing is fucked. Yes. But, like, that's the thing I was like, probably too far. Yeah. But the actual conversation in the car, I'm like, no, I get it. I I was like, fuck off. Like, he's he's like... He wanted to reach out. He was almost on the verge of being vulnerable. Mike's a little shit. He already feels like Mike is overstepping. Yeah. Show- and shows him no respect. And then he just fucking loses it. I is it right? No. But uh, did I find it understandable?
2: Yes. I kind of wish we had a scene of him, of Joyce finding out how he actually behaved and her letting him know just how inappropriate that was. Mm. Because there's a learning moment there. And because he doesn't get that moment. Yeah, that's fair. It feels like, well, he just got away with this then. Mm. Where are we suggesting that behavior wasn't as bad as it was. And I don't think that's true. I think the show is very actively saying that was bad.
3: Yeah, it's like, crazy.
2: It's crazy yeah. and bad to do it. Mm. But then we also just have to keep being on Hopper's side because he's got the rest of this stuff going on. And he's a bit of a petulant child mm. this season throughout. The way he talks to Joyce and the way he gets pissed off with yeah, things but stood it, up. and Yeah,
3: he is a petulant child, but Joyce very much like, points it out every time. Oh, yeah. And it's just like, fuck off.
2: Like, oh, and Murray.
3: Yeah, and like they're both just like, you are ridiculous. Like, yeah. Hopper in that instant is like a, a joke and so like when people say like oh you know he's you know the protagonist or all of these things but he like represents all this negative stuff i'm like but it's never not seen as it's never seen as a positive the way that he is behaving like he's like they say that you know obviously his strength is very useful and that's great but he's an asshole and he's represented as an asshole
2: yeah, and then he ends up dying theoretically at the end mm-hmm. of the season and sort of has the big sacrifice. I don't know. I, I can see how maybe people felt like he became so unlikable as to be hard to root for anymore at times. And maybe no, that was f- the issue for some people. Um I didn't feel that way. I didn't feel that way. I, I, f- I
3: felt bad. I felt
2: sad for him. I feel sad for him more yeah. than anything else. I have a really I think David Harbour just it does a great he's great mm. in this role. He's really yeah. likable. And yes, he's very problematic and he has his issues, but it's not that I think Hopper. It's like, I just feel like Hopper has room to grow. Mm -hmm. Like, he's got stuff to deal with, he's got his demons.
3: Mm. I think, yeah, I'm just shocked that. I mean, he has been an alcoholic and an addict since date dot, since the moment we've met him. He's always had like anger issues Mm -hmm. and like he's always, you know, steamrolled over people. So, yeah, I mean, that's the character.
2: Do you feel like... That was one of the things I kept thinking of this season when I was like, you're not going to be chief of police when you get back to Hawkins no. at the end of this. and Like, he died instead, so it wasn't yeah. an issue. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I was like, boy, he's really off the chain mm-hmm. this season. Mm-hmm. The way he beats up on the mayor, the stuff that so happens good. with, like, mm-hmm. taking the guy's... commandeering the guy's car and the yeah. service station and stuff. The way he has... Is it Alexi? The... Oh, yeah. There's actually a couple of moments really like... Though Because I thought the show was going a certain direction, it subverted it, right? So, I love when Joyce comes over after she stood him up, right? Mm. And he Hopper is being- A
3: baby. A
2: massive baby about it, right? And she comes over and she's like, this is happening. Mm-hmm. And he then does that thing where he's like, oh, no, that makes sense. It's like, maybe I'll meet you tonight. And it's like, yeah. oh, uh-huh. we're going to- turn- I was like, oh, no, the show is setting up this whole thing where Hopper's not going to be engaged with Joyce because yeah. he's pissed off with her. And then what happens? Joyce just takes control and says, fuck you, you're yeah. coming with me because I know yeah. I'm right. I loved that. I yeah. love that he wasn't let off the hook. Yeah. I love that she just didn't let him get away with his bullshit.
3: But isn't that scene end with like he's still ranting and raving as she's literally just like, left the building?
2: No, yeah, no. But that's, where it can, that's yeah. what would normally happen, yeah. right? Is he's just left there in a strop and she walks out mm. and goes, normally I think in a show she would go, fine, I'll do it by myself. Yeah. Right? Instead, she leaves and he goes... Where the fuck did you go? Walks <laughs> yeah. outside and she's gone to the shed to get shit and is like, yeah. I'm going. You, you should come with me. And he's like, well, I can't let you go by myself because I know I'm wrong here. Yeah. So he follows. As he should. And that is a really great... Like, yes, you have that moment of him being petulant. You set up their mm. tension, but you also don't let it... You don't let it get in the way of the story or keep those two characters apart. Mm. Great. Also loved when sometimes... He is right, even in his extremism. Mm-hmm. So when he, when Alexi's like, Oh, he chucks him out? Yeah. yeah. He's like, This is strawberry. I asked for cherry, right? And he's mm-hmm. like, We aren't playing this fucking game. Mm. And then pushes him outside and throws the keys and steps inside. And He's like, He is going to turn around and knock on that door any second. And Murray and Joyce are like, Uh, Hopper, he's driving <laughs> away. And he's, even, even he's starting to second guess yeah. himself. And then. I was like, I'm glad he was right because mm. how dumb would it have been to let this guy drive away? Yeah, and that would have been really yeah. contrived and yeah, shit. Yeah, you, you
3: thought like I did think I was like, oh, this is going to be them like teaching Hopper a lesson. Yes, I'm like, but then it's just going to be so inconvenient yes. <laughs> for the rest yes. of the story. I was like, oh no, that's good, that's nice.
2: I was happy with that mm. quite a bit.
3: And like Hopper, the policeman, is the role he plays. Like he he knows what he's doing yeah, in he that sense, know that. and that is his purpose within the group. So it makes sense.
2: Yeah. Um. Yeah, so did you think they fixed Joyce this season compared to last season?
3: Yes, yes, yes. It's exactly what I wanted. She's like, Mama Bear, she knows what's up. She knows something's wrong and she's going to investigate.
2: Well, Mama Bear, they don't know where their kids are most of the time this season. It's amazing how the parents are just like, I don't know. Well, she
3: assumes that they're they're safe and at a sleepover. It's only when they get to the fair and she asks the other mum. The other mum's like, oh, I don't know. (laughs) like, oh, shit, my kids,
2: my kids. We've given our kids too long a leash here. Yeah,
3: yeah. Um, yeah, but she just like, you know, wants to save the world. And is like, you know, she's out like finding resources that can help her do that. She goes to science teacher, which I love. I like that too. Love to see him in his little shorts and his little science. Was
2: shipping them a little bit. In that moment, I was like, I could see this. It's pretty cute. Yeah, it's pretty cute.
3: Um, yeah, so that that was really lovely and she's got all these signs. Oh, the sorry, I just remember at the beginning when she's like missing. All oh,
2: the Bob stuff.
3: Which I, I like that they did that. And she was just lonely mm. and she's sad and she misses her boyfriend. And then, um, you know, she finds purpose again and she finds value in, in that way and it, it was beautiful to see. Beautiful to see. I, I was love glad, what they did with Joyce.
2: I was glad we did, just didn't like Snap, forget Bob.
3: Yeah, no, that would be lame. Because that was like a big moment for me last season. I bawled like a baby.
2: I don't think we got there this season, but I felt I was surprised by how much I cared when Alexi died.
3: Oh, my God. For a
2: character that doesn't speak English.
3: So, it's incredible what happened. So, it's just a random Russian guy. And then they come together with, what's his name, Murray? Murray. And they have such like a wonderful dynamic mm-hmm. and it helps that they're like, you know, obviously playing against Hopper who takes himself Ho- – Hopper? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So, I'm like, is it Hooper? No, that's not <laughs> <what I'm> – <about. laughs> against Hopper who takes himself so seriously mm. and they're obviously like the two smart guys in the room and just kind of like having a bit of a laugh with him. Um, and so, they have like this great like buddy comedy type thing happening in the back seat and they get to the fair – And he's having a a wonderful time. And he's like, it's not rigged. And like, what a moment that I never saw coming. And, you know, Mario's off buying him his first ever corn dog. Poor guy gets fucking shot, you know, in a crowd while he's holding that big stuffed toy. It's heartbreaking stuff that I didn't see coming, but it was so well put together that I didn't realize how much I cared until that moment. I was like, oh my God, I'm devastated that this Russian guy is dying.
2: Incredible. I think it's a great example, again, of the great writing slash yep. like, directing performance of this show. This guy has literally, like, virtually no lines in English, right? Mm-hmm. Yet, there's enough there between the way he interacts with Murray and Hopper and uh, Joyce. And as you said, all the stuff at the fairground. Mm-hmm. And really, him—he he's very interested in, you know, coming to America. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's heartbreaking when he dies. Mm-hmm. Fucking, how can you not be impressed by a show that can do this? Yeah. Introduce a character... Have them for like four episodes, kill them, and you're like, oh, fuck. I'm really sad they're dead.
3: You think he's going to be a villain. Then he's kind of like this comedic hostage that they have. Like he's got cute moments with Joyce and with Murray. And then all of a sudden he's like part of the gang and you don't really understand how or why it's happened. And then they take him away from us. And we feel devastated, but we don't have to lose one of our main characters
2: until the end. Mm. Mm. Uh, How do you feel about Murray as well? His inclusion in this season,
3: I enjoyed him much more this time. He's better with adults, maybe. Yeah, he didn't weirdly get teenagers to have sex with each other this (laughs) season, which I thought was an improvement. Yeah, he tried to have adults have sex with each other, which is nice. Yeah. Um, step up, much better, better utilized. He, you know, I, he's got a better dynamic, like you said, with adults. Yeah, he's not this weird sleazy guy with uh, hanging out with a bunch of teenagers.
2: I can. Steph made me realise he's the husband from. Fleabag, yeah. Oh, yeah, that dickhead. That's it. Um, He's good at playing a dickhead. He's very good at playing a dickhead. Which means he's
3: probably really lovely in person. Probably.
2: (laughs) I hope that's true. Uh, We were going to talk about Eleven, Max and the boys, and then I moved on to Hopper and Joyce. Um, Mainly because we were sort of starting to talk about the Hopper, Mike, Eleven Mm. dynamic. And then, yeah, from that, we have the Mike and Eleven breakup. And then Eleven... Drama, drama, drama. And then we get out 11 and max pairing, which is what i wanted how did you feel about getting the girls (sighs) having a friendship this season
3: it's the fucking best (laughs) it's just the
2: fucking you always like female friendship in shows don't you funny that yes i
3: do (laughs) it's just nice watching them you know support one another Mm -hmm. um uplift one another and just like do
2: montages of shopping exactly
3: I mean, I know like some people had like an issue with that, like oh, female friendship, you know, have, they have to go shopping. I'm like, well, one, the setting is in a mall, so like it yeah. helps they're doing shopping, but also like a lot of young women, not this is not to say all, but a lot of young women do help find their identity and bond f- and create friendships through the expression of fashion. Sure. And that's okay. It's also nothing- not the
2: only thing they have got going on. Like no. Max is set up as an amazing player of video games mm-hmm. and she's like talking about Wonder Woman comics with yeah. Ellen stuff as well. Like they they can be into
1: Many John thing. Ralphio,
2: or whatever his name is. the No, what's his name? the Not John Ralphio. <laughs> uh, what? Uh, the Karate Kid guy. Uh, anyway, that guy. And oh, Ralph Macchio? Ralph Macchio, thank you. <laughs> John Ralph That's uh, isn't
3: that Steve's son?
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Canon, yeah. Um, <laughs> Ralph Archio and and also be talking about comics. Like mm. you can, they can have all those facets.
3: Yes, absolutely. Right, um, but you know, it was it was just nice to see them because neither of them have really had a female friend before. No. So to see how like they can have that special bond and you know talk about their relationships and experience like loyalty just with one another and experience like sisterhood and stuff. It was, I loved it. I loved it so much. And I, I love that, mo- that f- fashion montage, the shopping montage. I thought it was
2: really good too. You
3: know, I love a good fashion, a mo- uh, shopping montage in a, you know, I love rom-coms. They're always in there. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's just a fun thing to do. Why not? Absolutely. And the outfits were incredible. Yes, they the were. Outf- I do love every 11, outfit, Eleven's
2: wardrobe. this season. Every great. outfit
3: they like, she tried on. I was like, I want it. I want it so bad. Oh, <laughs>
2: Uh, no, I thought it was very cool. They made Max very relevant this season. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, I can understand if people feel like the whole boys trying to figure out girls and girls trying to figure out boys thing a little mm. bit like whatever. But like, that's a thing that exists. That's yeah. what teenagers do. And also like,
3: Al has just kind of been Mike's accessory for so long that like, she only really seems attached to him. She doesn't really seem to have a friendship with any of the other people. She has no support system. She's got no one to talk to. So, of course, she, like, you know, was friends with and then fell in love with this guy because she's literally the only, like, contact... uh, Sorry, relationship. Totally, yeah. Or contact that she's had other than with Hopper. Yeah. So, it's nice for her to have a safe space that isn't conditional on her having a romantic relationship with someone.
2: And to, like, literally step away from Mike yeah, on purpose and create, and her, create her own her identi- identity.
3: Which is what, like, Max facilitates. Like, um, what's his name? The boyfriend? Mike? Like, he doesn't really do that. Like, you know, they they like the same things. They like making out. But he's not exposing her to new things other no. than making out. Um. So, it's nice to have Max who's, yeah, like, teaching about, like, Wonder Woman comics and fashion and all these, like, different things. It's pretty cute and pretty, like, amazing for her to, like, create her own identity.
2: I think it's a good uh, place for Mike to grow as well where Mm -hmm. he sort of – you think about season one, right? And, Mm. like, Eleven is almost a pet in some ways. Like, he brings her in from the cold, has her hiding away in his basement, is feeding her egos and, like, and teaching her, like, you know, how we humans live or whatever. Mm. And so, to have his lesson be – Trust your fucking girlfriend that she knows what she's doing. Yeah. And, like, let her do her thing sometimes. Yeah, and you can't dictate yeah, what you can to do. You yeah. can't, yeah, be in charge of... You know, she's her own person. She mm. is her own person is the message. Mm-hmm. And that is what Mike has to learn. Seems about right based on what their interaction relationship has been so far. Yeah. Thought that was perfect. Mm-hmm. I like that a lot. Uh, one of my favourite scenes also in the... or well, favourite opening probably of the show is the start of episode three, I think it is. Mm. Where... Um, Max and Elle are on the bed and they decide to use Elle's like, <laughs> astral projection thing to spy on the boys. Mm. Like, totally inappropriate, but exactly what you would do if you had that power.
3: Oh, If you're actually if you, as a teenager, yeah. absolutely you would. Yeah.
2: Absolutely. And so, like, makes perfect sense. I love... And then this is, again, where I love this, the way this all happened, right? We talked about last season how I thought convenience was starting to take hold in the plot a little bit mm. and that's not to say you couldn't make that argument this season too but it did feel reasonably organic to me the way they did like they did this game they're like well we should play with this this is fun mm-hmm. and then did the spin the bottle game and got to Billy and that's how they discovered that yeah. Billy was doing something crazy and like that was cool mm-hmm. and creepy and like really very effective way to get to that point
3: it was terrifying I loved that yeah.
2: Um, I also loved, as they're doing that, the spin the bottle, they land on Mr. Wheeler and they're like, nah, boring. that's boring. <laughs> and that's the show's comment on Mr. Wheeler. It's like, he gets like two scenes this season because he sucks when not yeah. go anywhere near him. Uh, actually, just thinking about the Wheelers, what do you think of the whole Mrs. Wheeler and Billy stuff at the start of the season?
3: Uh, I mean, it's pretty funny. Like Because f- obviously, last season they had that flirty moment and her husband is so like dead. Like, he's just... <laughs> He is not there. Um, he's so distant. Yeah. So this this poor woman goes for some eye candy, gets offered a little bit more. Mm-hmm. I like that she didn't go. Mm-hmm. That's good. Um, she
2: she just she was regretting it by the end liked, of the season, mind you.
3: Yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, look, I think she did, doesn't need to cheat, but I think she needs to make some big life choices Aha, to uh, create a, a happy life for herself. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was it was a nice little sort of way to like. Reintroduce one who she was. I'd forgotten who she was. I'm like, who is this woman? She looks vaguely familiar. I realised she was the mum. Give Billy something to do at the beginning. And then like, because it's actually interesting because you don't care about Billy at all. I mean, I certainly didn't. And then you see this like poor housewife who just like wants to live a little bit. Mm. And so there's like expectation. of like, oh God, I hope she goes and like just gets her fuck on and just has a bit of fun. And it makes you go like when he doesn't arrive, you're like, oh, that's sad for her. And only later you find out she didn't even go. But put some, like, little stakes on that moment that I otherwise probably wouldn't have cared too much about.
2: The other Mrs. Wheeler moment was when she had that talk with Nancy in the kitchen. Do you remember this scene?
0: Mm-hmm. It's
2: extremely forgettable. <laughs> it was just... I thought it was epitomized to me why I just have no interest in the Nancy. Well,
3: it just bothered me because, yes, obviously if Nancy knows that she's right and there's something to pursue there, she absolutely should. But the thing is... She's upset about her fight with Jonathan, which she is fucking wrong. Mm -hmm. Like she's like, she is so fucking privileged and he is not and her actions have caused him to lose a really great opportunity and he's upset about that and he's absolutely allowed to be upset about that.
2: I actually did like that car argument because they are both right and they are both wrong. Mm. Like they have their own sets of like um, problems or challenges from where Mm. they come from socially. Yeah. He's obviously socially, economically very... Underprivileged compared to Nancy, she does deal with misogyny on a daily basis in the workplace, and that is true. Mm -hmm. And they can both be right and both be wrong in that Mm. scenario. But I just thought that scene with her and Mrs. Wheeler was really clunky. Like, just one of the more on-the-nose, written and and performed and directed moments of the show. Yeah,
3: I thought it was fine, but I don't think it belongs in the show. It
2: didn't need to be there. Yeah. It just felt like a token moment with Mrs. Wheeler Mm -hmm. and Nancy that just like... It was on the nose and Mm. just wasn't relevant, I didn't think. Mm. Uh, Billy this season. Mm -hmm. So, we had a problem that last season, Max and Billy were sort of introduced and they didn't really seem to have much of a point. Billy in particular just sort of ended up having a fight, fist fight with Steve. Mm -hmm. I love that Steve finally won a fist fight, by the way. Yeah, very cute. Um, And Max was sort of just there to sort of like be a bit of a wedge Mm. between the boys in a way.
3: The boys, and then, and then Al Elle and Mike, Mike, and blah, blah, blah. Very,
2: very, that was Dull. the convenience sitting in, right? Yeah. Um, Max has given a lot more to do this season. She now seems crucial. Mm. I would argue she's the cleric in their uh, D&D group. Mm-hmm. She's sort of the medic. She's the one that knows how to like deal with L's wound. Okay, yeah. I thought that yeah, maybe that's, that's maybe next season we'll see them all playing D&D. It, yeah. She'll play a cleric. Like
3: in every scene, the women always knew what to do, and the men were fucking useless. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Uh, what about Billy this season? He very quickly gets tied directly to the Mind Flayer, mm-hmm. um, and then through that becomes this monster of, uh, of uh, well, leg- a of a well legitimate monster. Mm. Right up until the point where L has this like I've seen your memories, mm. you're going to remember your happiest moment before things got bad for you, mm-hmm. will bring you back from the edge. Yeah. How do you feel about the whole Billy, mm. usability this season and particularly that end point?
3: Yeah. I think it probably would have been handy to have a reiteration of his dynamic that he has with his dad, which we do see in season two Yeah, there a is a bit. good
2: scene in season yeah. two, actually. Though. I would
3: maybe like a bit of that at the top.
0: <laughs>
2: yep. And
3: then we see, obviously... Um, He's been like berated and abused to the point that he is at now. Then we see where he finds value in himself is like, obviously through women objectifying him and him Mm -hmm. objectifying women. Um, And then, so we see like the sadness behind the bravado. And then we have the moment where he becomes like, you know, body snatch, if Mm -hmm. you will. And then, and then that comes back into the end and it ties it, all up for us quite nicely um i think that maybe would have helped a little bit for me when we get to the very sentimental um remember who you are remember your happiest moment yeah thing um now like this show can be forgiven because obviously it is doing a lot of callback stuff and um perhaps the what's what i'm looking for uh I think we expect less sentimentality in a lot of our media now because we're a little bit more cynical. Sure. This show is bringing back things that um, don't have that sensibility necessarily. So, if they also want to bring back that sentimentality, I think I can forgive it a little bit more. However, as someone... Do
2: you think that's a that's a product of the, like the era they're trying to ape here? Like, this is a storytelling trope from the 80s and therefore that's why it's there and we should forgive it? Like, is that the...
3: I, that's that's what I'm saying. Okay. I'm not saying that's necessarily sure. true. I think an argument can be made that that might be why. Mm, okay. Um, it was very sentimental. I thought the performance, um, Billy's performance, was really really great. I, I agree. I the really like that actor. Yeah. I think he's Australian.
2: He is Australian. Yeah.
3: Um, yeah. So I thought that was really well done and was effective in that sense. It was pretty heavy handed. Like it it was. You know,
2: I think my biggest problem with it is I just don't necessarily understand the mechanics of it, right? Mm-hmm. Because it's like, are we suggesting that on some level he was corrupted by the Mind Flayer because of this inner darkness and that the way to uncorrupt yourself is through, like, finding those happy memories and that part of you that's good, right? Mm. And the p- the problem I had no, there I is... No, I don't
3: think the corruption comes from the bad memories or the bad experiences. Right. It's like, because you see the storm Yes. and... Outside of that, so I guess that's the infection and yep. outside of that is this memory that does exist. But I don't think the reason that memory exists outside of the infection is because it's a good memory. I just think it happens to exist outside of it. And so she's able to tap into
2: that. So you don't think, because when you go into the storm, mm. you really do see a lot of like the trauma the and stuff he went yeah. through. You don't think that on some level, that's what the mind flayer is like tapping into in a person? That that's, like, the way he gets a hold of mm. your psyche is to sort of get a hold of the... But
3: does it do that to the rats, though?
2: This is my point. Is the bit that, like, I struggle with is, like, are we suggesting that Pat Oswald's mum and, like, all these other mm. people who get mind flayed as well, that they're doing the same thing? that they And is, is Billy maybe his number one soldier? Not because of, like... He's the first person he got to, the mind flay got to, but because he was the most sort of dark inside and therefore the most powerful mm. one to use as okay. a vessel. And that's kind mm. of where I, I think- I guess if I didn't you,
3: put that much thought into it. Well, I because I cause just- I got, don't really care about the mechanics of that stuff.
2: But, well, yeah. it, that's kind of where I was at. I was like, <laughs> yeah. I'm watching this scene happen. I'm like, I think I would care more about this or be more invested in what's happening here if I understood that that, there was this that this was part of what the villain was actually doing Mm, because instead it just mm -hmm. feels like love wins and it's like eh. but if you just let at least explain to me a little bit that this is happening to everybody the same way and he Mm. is just it also just means more to Billy because once he becomes a puppet he's not Billy anymore really you know what I mean or is he more willing to give himself over to the mind flayer because he's already this really like He's this big bully sort of, mm. you know, dark person. And so to have him fight back doesn't feel like a victory for Billy. It just sort of feels like, oh, Levin got to the the wind switch. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And that's kind of my problem. I just did I, lo- I I don't necessarily dislike its place in the story. It just didn't feel like it was well enough uh extrapolated upon, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe if I think about it more it's there. Mm but it didn't it wasn't as apparent as some of the other messaging that's in this season. Anyway, I don't mm-hmm. know. Does that make sense?
3: Yeah, no, it, uh, what you're saying makes sense to me. I guess Yeah, I think I just took it at face value of Yeah, she was able to tap into the Billie. humanity yeah. that exists there. Sure. Um and obviously saying cuz yeah, Max was a and also another part of the the pos- on the positive side, wasn't that interaction? The meeting of? Or was that bad? Was that in the bad section?
2: How do you mean? Which part of the meeting of?
3: When he meets Max for the first time in his memory bank. Um, was
2: that in the, I think the that s- was, bad swirlies? It was in the bad swirlies because the dad was like, this is your sister yeah. and like, and explains- Shake her hand. Yep. Yeah. And it's like, in general, I just think a lot of his negativity towards Max just comes from his negativity towards his dad. Like- mm, Yeah. And like, that's that's well set up. Yeah. Mm. Maybe it would have been cool to maybe see the Mind Flayer in his memories take the form of his dad, like have Eleven on one yeah. side, like, you know, maybe almost represent the mother and the positivity and, like, mm-hmm. then have... And what's interesting there as well is there's theoretically a parallel between Billy and Max's... Well, Billy's dad, Max's stepdad, and um, what was it? I don't even know what their relationship is exactly, but Billy's dad and, like, Hopper and, like, his... Mm-hmm sort of uh fraught relationship with 11 a little bit. And mm. it seems like maybe there was an opportunity missed there. And this is where I want to or get Even like Will's dad, the way like Will's
3: dad has like Totally treated Jonathan and Will as these well. These things
2: always come down to dads, right? Dads, yeah. But like and like 11 too with Papa in season mm-hmm. 1, like there are these toxic dad mm. elements to this show. And that's one of the things I really want to talk about because that was another criticism I've seen. Is some people are just asking three seasons to Stranger Things now, what is Stranger Things about? Right. They don't feel like, and I think this is valid. They want a theme. That there's not a whole, not much thematically going on here. Yeah, there's themes of like growing up and there's themes of like um, uh, the matriarchy or the, not the, no, patriarchy, not the matriarchy, the patriarchy. How you? Mm. And like all these little things going on like that, but maybe it doesn't cohesively feel like there's, a big overall theme or message going on here. If anything, the biggest theme just seems to be nostalgia, right? Nostalgia for these Mm. uh, shows and movies and stories from the 80s and a simpler time or whatever, or, you know, the defined America in the 80s and stuff like that. Do you feel like that's true, that it is sort of themeless or formless in that sense? And is that a problem for you if that's true?
3: Um... If a story is a satisfying story, it doesn't bother me. But I think if a story is satisfying, you can usually find a theme in there. Sure. It just takes analysis. It may not be on the the surface and be like, this is this is the the lesson yeah. of this season. It doesn't have to be so um on on the top of everything. And that's okay. So if you like, if you either really enjoy or really dislike something, as you begin to analyse it and you see the connections and you see perhaps what storytellers are doing in a more um, subtle way, Mm -hmm. then themes become apparent to you. But yeah, no, there isn't a big lesson this season. That doesn't bother me. As I think I rewatch and analyse it, there will be more there to dig into. I mean, like, even if you just think of the types of things that it is you know paying homage to or taking things from it's like obviously the mind we've got the emergence of the mall as the mind flayer is like you know taking people into one thing you know that just comes down to it's the same like as the thematically as zombie films are you know consumerism capitalism all that kind of thing like that's a big thing that exists this season you know the obviously becoming like from children to adolescents and all that stuff like themes are there
2: Do you think like even that, like you just made a connection between like these things that are enslaved by the mind slayer, like like zombies, right? Mm. And like consumerism and capitalism. And we have a star court here, right? Yeah. But those things aren't necessarily completely, that that connection is not fully formed. Do you know what I mean? Like, I I think it's interesting that those, we can Mm. look at those elements and go, oh, I can see there could have been a theme Mm. there, but it doesn't feel like it was ever really yeah, completely formed inside the show. Yeah, I'd like to say, I mean, like, show the Dead, Like a good example of mm. like where that's used is like, there's all this stuff about how people are like zombies and stuff mm. like. I don't like any of those zombie things that yeah. happens, and I never quite get to that point here.
3: Yeah, I think it depends whether or not you think you a story needs one big theme. Mm-hmm. I don't think it does. I think it can contain multiple themes, um, have multiple different messages, mm-hmm. um, and as long as like those messages are relevant to the overall story, it's fine. Yeah. Did, did it bother you that you didn't have a big, like... This I think is- it's a
2: valid criticism, mm-hmm. but I kind of also see it this way, that... I would appreciate if that was in there, mm. but it doesn't bother me that it's not in there if I'm just enjoying the story for what it is. And sometimes, okay. The way I think about it is it goes back to people conflating this to like a summer blockbuster, right? Mm. I don't think every summer blockbuster necessarily has a great theme in it. It's just a really well-told, fun mm. adventure story. Mm-hmm. You and I, we love Marvel films. Mm-hmm. Some Marvel films are really thematically rich. Some aren't so much Mm -hmm. and the ones that aren't aren't necessarily bad they can be a lot of fun to watch sometimes just because i like the characters Mm. i like the setting i like the action scenes i like it's a fun time Mm -hmm. to be had there yeah there's enough little themes in there It doesn't have to have a whole comprehensive Mm. message and that's kind of how i feel about this what is season three of maybe a bigger story anyway Mm. do you know what i mean like also
3: like even with those marvel films that aren't like huge like this is the theme yeah you could fucking write an essay on like whatever theme you want within like a lot of those oh. films. Like, like it does exist. It just doesn't have to be so overt. overt yeah. yeah,
2: I I agree with you on that. Yeah. And I, like, if you want to come into this and like. I think you could, like, when you were saying earlier this is unique on television right now, Mm. the closest thing that comes to my mind of things like this I've liked is maybe Buffy, right? Buffy didn't Mm. have the the ability to be as grandiose as this show is, Mm -hmm. but, like, it has that teenage sci-fi darkness to it. Mm -hmm. Buffy was very good at thematic stuff too, right? But that's because that's what Buffy wanted to be. Mm -hmm. This doesn't have to be Buffy. This can be Stranger Things. Mm -hmm. And personally, I am really enjoying what Stranger Things is. Yes. Um, that's sort of where I come down on it so Mm -hmm. I think it's a valid criticism but I don't think it necessarily means it's not achieving what it wants to achieve or Mm -hmm. isn't can't be entertaining or or is without value just because it isn't necessarily it's not
3: it doesn't feel unwieldy you know what what I mean like which can be if like or it doesn't feel confused which like I don't want to Conflate the idea that it may not have a big theme, mm-hmm. capital T theme, to mean that it is unwieldy or confused or scattered. It's absolutely not. It is what it is meant to be, and um, there is rich storytelling in there. So yeah, that's yeah. I don't want people to think that it's de- it's devoid of me like good you know true meaning just because it doesn't have a big capital T theme.
2: Um, we need to start wrapping up. I'm going to get to a couple of things quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, another criticism it has been that the show maybe is just repeating itself. Like for some people, I think they felt like this was a very much a repeat of what season one and season two were trying to achieve. We haven't moved away very much from the upside down mm-hmm. or this mind flayer monster. In a lot of ways, there's similar big similarities there apart from it being way grosser, this monster <laughs> this season. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about that? Do you think that's true? Do you think that's a problem? Do you feel like we just keep doing the same sort of like Things are peaceful. Then, which it starts to happen, it mm-hmm. builds to a climax, and we're done.
3: Yeah. No, I I can understand the criticism. I see what they're saying. Is it a problem? No, because I think they make it. They've certainly made it more interesting this season. Yeah. So as long, long as season. there is like, you know, evolution and elevation, mm-hmm. that's fine. It doesn't have to be completely different. I don't need a completely different big bad. It's actually quite nice to have a big bad that I som- somewhat recognize and understand vaguely the rules for. I'm mm. familiar with upside down and all that stuff. I kind of know the world, and then we we have these like well worn warriors that are like going in. We we know their skill set. They're going to continue to evolve, but we know their skill set. They know some of the rules that apply to the big bad, and it's how they're going to negotiate it this time. Mm-hmm. And it's bigger and it's worse and it's it's a deeper exploration of that battle for me.
2: Well the good news is that it, it's becoming more personal it seems like mm-hmm. whereas like the demogorgon in the first season was just sort yeah. of like a mindless beast. Mm-hmm. And now this season we've, the mind flayer has gone they from know season each other 2 now. Yeah, in season 3 mm-hmm. it is deliberately targeting certain people etc mm-hmm. like it's really after Eleven yeah. and Will and so forth. Um that becomes more personal which is interesting I think as well. I definitely understand the criticism that it's like the thing was closed at the end of season two. Oh, the Russians opened it up. So here we go again. And like, it just feels like mm. a bit of a repeat on that.
3: But like, what a fun way to do it to have these absurd Russian characters.
2: The Russians. Mustache
3: twirling. Under
2: the mall is fucking inspired. It's so I love funny. It.
3: It's so fucking it's funny. It's silly. And it's so 80s, but like, it just, it, it just makes perfect sense. Under like this symbol of american capitalism underneath <laughs> yeah. like this like stereotypical americanism exists yeah. and underneath well, is it's this called stere- star court too yeah is think. this stereotypical like russian like absurd like bunch of characters Bond-based it's so business. funny yeah. and it's it's yeah once again it's a lot of fun
2: that was my last question before we move on mm. the villains in general between the mind flayer and billy and the zombie people army and the Russians mm-hmm. are the villains compelling enough for you? Are they? Do they serve their purpose? Could they be more compelling? Would you be interested in them being more complex or mm. more?
3: I think they serve their purpose. I I don't think I want them to be more compelling. I like the there being a challenge and the people that I am invested in figuring out a way to overcome that challenge. I don't need a big in-depth story about why the Russians... Like, I don't need big, like, um dumps of information as to what exactly the Russians are doing. Well, because that's one of my questions or, like, is, one like, ca- what were they
2: doing exactly? Do we, we get that clearly, what they were trying to do? I they're mean, trying to open the gate, but...
3: The Cold War was hilarious. It was like, well, they're doing it, I'm doing it, and we're going to do it better. Like, sure. just that kind of absurdity. But, like, you know, we might find out next season what they were doing, but that doesn't really bother me. I don't need to know that. I don't need a, a Russian character that I, you know... Have an in-depth understanding of.
2: You're happy with the Terminator being a villain and like.
3: Yeah, it's fine. Yeah, and obviously, like it, it propels the, the plot forward. It, it challenges our main characters, um, and we, you know, we have a a Russian scientist, towards the end who we, end up caring very much about when he dies. Um, but no, I don't, need, I don't need to know about the mind flayer's childhood.
2: <laughs> I feel like I could go either way on it. Mm. Again, it comes to, down to a Marvel film, right? Sort of like. Uh, parallel with Marvel films. Mm-hmm. There are some great Marvel films, Guardians of the Galaxy, for instance, where mm. the villains are one-dimensional. Yeah. And that's not a problem because the villain serves his purpose to just be the the barrier for our heroes to improve or to to get better, right? hmm And then we've also got other films where the villains are really compelling and they're great too, mm-hmm. but it doesn't necessarily need to happen so long as I'm enjoying being with my heroes enough.
3: Yep. And yeah. And I'm totally.
2: totally fine with what if I get one of these Stranger Things absolute romps every couple of years Ugh. and the villains are kind of just whatever, yeah. but, I couldn't care yeah, less. Yeah, that's
3: the thing. It's like if in seasons to come there is a villain where we certainly learn a more like, much more about and that is compelling, awesome. Did I feel something missing because we don't have that yeah. this season? No,
2: I didn't. Yeah. Also, we fucking called the Russians. <laughs> we, we called that last <laughs> Did season. Did we? Yeah. Yay! Any last words? Final Thoughts.
1: That's why you always leave a note
2: Alright, we are gonna do this pretty quickly Side notes People didn't like the never-ending story That was my first one, yep Yeah
3: Fucking loved it It was Uh, fun It was so much fun Why uh, not?
2: People just kept I kept reading like cringeworthy And like all this sort of stuff I was like, fuck guys It's like you just don't like fun I don't think I think I tweeted about that
3: Like I know someone either tweeted Or like tweeted like an article Or something about that and I was like, oh, a fun show gets criticized for being too much fun. Yeah. It's like,
2: come on, what is your problem? And like the whole Suzy thing was a full season setup. Yeah. <laughs> like it was, oh, we, it's like, you know what? It wasn't a surprise that that's sort of how we got to the whole Suzy moment. Mm-hmm. But that's kind of the fucking point. It's so We silly. were anticipating happening. We knew we eight hours later we were going to get there. Yeah. We got
3: a musical number and it's great and it's silly and it's, you know, I put a big smile on my face because I'm like, this is absurd. Look, is there a fair criticism that if Susie hadn't demanded he'd do that, then Hopper would still be alive? Sure. <laughs> but just don't think about
2: oh, it. Oh, it's Susie's fault.
3: It is okay. Susie's fault. Uh,
2: because Justice I with, for
3: Hopper. Mm.
2: I agree with you. We don't need to understand everything that's going on. But what was the green ooze exactly that the Russians had?
3: I reckon it's like demigorgon jizz or something. That's what I reckon.
2: Is it? A, are they using it as a weapon? Are they using it as a power source? I feel like it's I missed it. It's a power source. But wasn't the whole idea that the Star Court stuff... like the, Sorry... That all the power was going oh, out because they right. were using the power grid?
3: So then I guess it must be part of the weapon for the zappy zappy machine?
2: Is that the... Uh, that's This is where I was like... I wish I just had a little bit of an idea of... Because mm. the green ooze just sort of became like useful for like getting out know, of that situation. I don't know, this
3: feels like it could be a like chlorian situation. Like, do you really want to know more to make you go...
2: What? I'd like to know why there's... Because they kept showing shots of it, right? Like, mm-hmm. there's a whole bit with Hopper and Joyce where they're talking about, like, their feelings and stuff. Mm. Like, they're going to have their date, right? And, like, they are just surrounded by mm. green News.
3: And I think it's definitely going to play a part in next season. Okay. So, like,
2: that's a prediction. Because, green ooze is next season. Because we have
3: that cage, which is clearly where, like, They've been holding a demigorgon that Erica sure. finds with the taser so they can control it. Yeah. So they're maybe like breeding these things to like That's make a, the green ooze or whatever. What about the demigorgon cage? Yeah. That's a very, very, mm. very,
2: very good point.
3: So they clearly not only have one in like Russia or whatever, they have one. They had one as there well. as
2: well. Interesting. Uh, one of the shots oh, I think.
3: Or or whatever it might be. Yeah. Sorry. I, well,
2: I think well that was a demigorgon at yeah, the end. Yeah. yeah. Um, one of the things I liked, look, just a little shot thing they did, there was a part where they're leaving like Mike's place or something in a car mm. and it like, runs into the bikes and then off they go. Mm. I like that. It's like, no kids on bikes <laughs> this season. We've got a car now. We've grown up. <laughs> yeah. uh, you were saying you thought they were suggesting that Will might be gay.
3: Y- did I say that this episode? You did. Oh, okay. Oh, yes. Well, when I was thinking that um, Max might be gay. Yeah. Well... So, he, he clearly is just not interested in girls yet. Correct. So, I'm well, happy.
2: yet is I think the. Well,
3: that's the thing. It's like, I'm happy for it to go one of two ways or one of three ways. Who knows? I'm happy for him simply just not to be at that stage yet, which yep. is fine. I was that kid as well. I was mm-hmm. like, why are you all interested in boys? Who cares? But then again, I <laughs> did end up gay. So, or the, yeah. So, obviously, he's just not ready yet. Yep. To, he is um, either gay or bisexual or whatever it might be. Or he might be asexual. I don't know.
2: Asexual is what a few people were talking about mm-hmm. now as well, and um, we've got listeners in particular who saw li- certainly saw that as a possibility mm. in there. I don't think people are necessarily hanging their hat on that idea, yeah. but they would—I certainly can appreciate the desire for that representation—and Will yeah. would be a really good candidate for that, I think as well. I think
3: so. Um, it's yeah. not, it,
2: but like, it's that's an, a thing that's like brought up in episode one, two, and three, and then mm-hmm. dropped. Will stops having a lot to do except touch his neck yeah. for a lot of this season. Poor Will. And he got a lot to do in the last season, but get yeah, going.
3: Yeah, so I think like. Will's, obviously, there is a difference between him and the other boys, just mm-hmm. in, like, the stage that he's at um, and how they're developing, no matter where that might lead. So, it's, it's open-ended. I'm happy with whatever, really.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I think I, I would like it if he ended up being... Actually, asexual would be really interesting. Mm. Um, but, yeah... I'm interested what they could do with it. It definitely feels like they're setting up to go somewhere with it next season. Mm -hmm. It's part of his character now. Least favourite and favourite episode, Damask? I don't have a least favourite. Okay, neither do I. What was your favourite episode? Boy, Uh, we're doing a good job today.
3: (laughs) Uh, Episode seven. It's one where Steve and Robin are drugged. Mm -hmm. Um, I think they were, for me, the best part of this season. And them being together... You know, fighting slash like running away from the Russians, yeah, that was like my favorite part of their stuff, and their stuff was my favorite part of the season as a whole. Um, and we obviously have like Dustin and Erica trying to keep them under control and Mm -hmm. escape. When I thought, found that all very exciting. Back to the future, back to having to sit through Back to the future, and them like obviously never seeing it before, have no idea what's going on. Um, and obviously, that's the episode where Robin comes out, which was a nice surprise. So, episode seven for me,
2: I, I. You don't, don't have, have a favourite episode. And I explained why earlier. Um, but i that's probably my favourite scene. Yeah. Is the... And like, least favourite storyline. So, give you a least favourite and favorite in favor of something. Mm. Least favourite storyline, undoubtedly, Nancy and Jonathan. Yep. Favourite storyline, absolutely, is Stephen Robin.
3: Yeah.
0: Friendship,
3: Fucking friendship. So
2: good. Mm. I cannot wait to get more of them mm. in I season four. I love a uh,
3: lesbian and a bro. I love that. Yeah. Oh, oh, oh,
2: beautiful. Uh, do you have any predictions, hopes or concerns for next season? There's one big thing we haven't talked about yet that we need to oh. do, obviously. well, Should we talk about that now? Well, we'll get there.
3: Okay. Um, My prediction is, well, the, the buyers have left, yeah. including Al. So, we might be expanding the world a little bit or they might be coming back. I don't know. Um, uh, so, obviously, the Russians are still going to have a big part of it. Oh, Angela said to me the other day, she's like, oh, people have been theorising that Chernobyl is going to be a part of the next one. And I was like, that seems disrespectful.
2: It does. Maybe they could do a Chernobyl parallel.
3: Yes. Perhaps, yeah.
2: Maybe that would be smarter.
3: I think so. Because if it's actually about Chernobyl, that feels um, off colour. Yeah. (laughs) A little bit. Particularly since now people are so very familiar. I haven't (laughs) watched it because I'm terrified too, but (laughs) I'm much more familiar with uh, the actual horror of Chernobyl. Yeah. um, yeah, probably continue the Cold War stuff with the Russians, which say the like, Demogolans back. Maybe they're breeding them. Who fucking knows? Mm. Um, but other than that, I've got no fucking idea. What about you?
2: Yeah, definitely. Obviously, the Rush component's a really big one. Mm-hmm. I also get the feeling that we're expanding out of Hawkins, which mm. I think is probably a smart idea. I think we've about I think grown so. Hawkins as a little bit. As the kids
3: grow, we've grown out of Hawkins as well. Yeah.
2: yeah, and even just Hawkins felt less relevant than it has in a while. We had less scenes of like, Hopper and Joyce in the streets of Hawkins mm-hmm. Even they went to like Illinois somewhere didn't they And like, yeah. like it was we're, They're naturally mm-hmm. moving on mm-hmm. The final scene in the mid-credit sequence Is in Russia Yeah, Like we're, we're expanding So that mm-hmm. makes a lot of sense to me Can't wait for more Steve and Robin um,
3: In the video store Fuck you yes.
2: Yeah that's a great setting for next season so too if it, if
3: it comes out two years later I doubt they'll still be there right
2: Two years later Oh they could be mm, Who yeah. knows uh, L is with, seems powerless at the moment, which is interesting mm, too. We still got to that right. point where she just sort of like, just zapped her juices. Which is
3: good because I think they did have a problem where she was so powerful. Yep. Every time there was an issue, it was just like, get out, get out. Which well, which is obviously what you would do. the Professor
2: X problem where you have to mm. like knock out Professor X every time because yeah. otherwise he just like bends <laughs> yeah. everybody's brains and they win.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And like that's, that is a classic. That can be frustrating to have to find a way to like neuter Eleven mm-hmm. every time. But. But I if I, you don't,
3: I do like the idea of like yeah they overuse her yeah and so they've literally overused her and she's run out of juice. So it's almost
2: like meta. It's like we have just yeah, yeah. we've run this <laughs> into the ground. Yeah. We just need to give it a break. Al needs we need a to recharge. Yeah. yeah,
3: maybe the next season we like Al goes to Hawaii. It yep. could
2: be a road mm. trip. I could see definitely see a road trip type mm. uh, season next mm-hmm. year. Um, the big one we haven't talked about. Mm. Hopper.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Right. Oh right. Yeah.
2: So we haven't really discussed that Hopper. Dies.
3: He does die.
2: Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> you don't think he's dead? He didn't. We didn't see it on camera. Everyone who dies in this show dies on screen. And we did not see it.
3: Mm-hmm. I hope did- he's dead. Oh, I don't. I, I don't want him to come back. What? I don't want him to come back.
2: Oh, really? Now, we should have talked about this. Why don't you want Hopper to come back? You think his story's because done?
3: Because I think it's a big moment. And I think... I would hate to take that moment back. I don't know. I just like, I think it's okay for him to- he came back like
2: Gandalf the White, where he's like... oh my God. Sorry, Cora.: go
3: <laughs> No, I think, yeah, it was right for him to die, just as I think, you know, spoilers for Cora. Kor- I think Tenzin should have died. And sure. I think it's a big learning moment. And it's okay for people to die and not come back. I, I just don't think he needs to come back.
2: You know, I think the difference there, though, for me is that Hopper has not really facilitated that same role that Tenzin did, right? Mm-hmm. Tenzin, um, throughout Korra, was the wizened old master who was like uh, teaching Korra the ways. And so you have to get he rid of his him. Purpose. Yeah, you have yep. to get rid of him to let the characters grow further. hmm. I don't think Hopper fulfills that role with the kids or any characters at all, really. He's his mm. own character. Um, and I certainly feel like it's more that him and Joyce's story isn't over, which is why I hope he's comes back.
3: They do have to go on that date, don't they?
2: The, that's, hey, Avengers Endgame.
3: Yeah, no, I'll support the same thing and start <laughs> tearing up immediately. I was like, oh.
2: <laughs> um Gotta have that dance. Um, yeah. So I... I hope he comes back. And honestly, just selfishly, because it didn't it didn't feel like he necessarily, like his arc was over. And I just really like David Harbour in the mm. show. I don't want Hopper to not be a part of it. hope he comes it.
3: back in like season five then. Well, I want a season of growth without, and then he can come back in season five.
2: What if he comes back like, I'm imagining like comes back like episode two or three of next season. What?
3: No. Yeah, like keep
2: him out for a little while and then- Two or
3: three? Yeah,
2: episode two or three. It'll be like- That's yeah, lame. It'll be like what they did with- Spoilers for Game of Thrones. Jon Snow It's like... Mm. You know, I think that's about what they'll do. They couldn't keep him away for too long because he's too popular. Um, Would be Mm. my guess. Unless you, like, split the season in half... I
3: hope it's not until, like, the end of season four. Nah,
2: I don't think that'll happen. Well... As, like,
3: I come to, like... Yeah, like, you know, say they, like, infiltrate, like, what the fuck the Russians are doing and then they find out that Hopper is that American in the dresser and they find him. They're like, oh, my God.
2: So... Mm. It's obviously a possibility that he is the American in the jail cell, mm-hmm. right? Do you? It's obvious though, isn't it? It is. Yeah. Some people have suggested that might be. In fact, my brother Liam, shout to Liam, thought I don't know where he got this from. Whether this is his idea or somebody else's, but his suggestion to me that might be Papa.
3: Yeah, I have thought that as well. Which yeah. is, I
2: think, is a very interesting idea, and mm-hmm. I would like that that we sort of get to the end of episode one. We're going to find out who the American is. We think it's going to be Hopper. Oh, it's Papa. Papa. That'd be interesting. Papa. Mm-hmm. So, if 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 he's not. In Russia, if he's mm-hmm. not in the cell, where what happened to Hopper? Do you think?
3: Would he be in the upside down?
2: I think that's the obvious thing, mm. right? The unless there's
3: oh another dimension,
2: the right side up, right side up. Um, no, I think it. I think the obvious thing here is that he got out mm. through the literal crack in the wall. Yeah, right. In fact, L makes the statement in a completely different scene, but in that same episode, there's a way out through the gap. There's another way out through the gap, right? And Mm -hmm. they literally mean the gap, the store, the gap. Mm. But I think that is absolutely a nod to like, yeah, Hopper got out through the gap in the wall. Um,
3: And, you know, if you leave it three inches open.
2: And also Mm. leave the door open three inches, right? So that both of... And that is also, I think, Mm. we're going to find out. I think maybe getting back Hopper is a matter of like literally L reopening. Mm -hmm. Maybe like it's closed. But they find out that L's on the other side. Oh, that sorry, Hopper's on the other side, and like we have to save Hopper. L rips open the hole between dimensions again, which allows the Mind Flay to come back, or something to that.
3: You know, it'd be great if he's left in there for quite a while, and he well, comes he's... out like Robin Williams in Jumanji.
2: That I, I that'd think be sick. something like, like that is quite Hopper. possible because well, the Ooh. question of is how would he survive in there? Will could barely last a week, I think, in mm. there. But Hopper has. Again, Liam suggested this idea. I like it a little bit. Suggested that he was exposed to a bit of this when he was underground last season. There was a lot of time with that's him. That's right. Yeah. So maybe he's built up some sort of like immunity to it a little bit and he's mm-hmm. able to survive a little bit longer, do a bit of a Robin Williams um, mm-hmm. sort of situation. And we just like have him reaching out to Elle through dimensions until eventually she like rips open the hole and like brings him mm. back. I think that's likely. And I would like... I That's my prediction, mm. essentially. Yeah,
3: I like the idea of like... And also... Like an angel comes back from the hell dimension in Buffy, where he comes back as like, not wild, but when he's like wounded puppy angel, like, because yeah. he's like experienced so much. So, all of that anger and shit that Hopper, like, toxic masculinity that Hopper has had, he's obviously like been through the fucking wars yeah. and comes back very different. Oh, I like that. All right. All right. I'm open to it. You can, you turn me around.
2: Excellent. You turn
3: me around on that one.
2: Well, I look forward to it whenever it happens because it's almost like it hasn't been announced, mm. but there's no way there's not going to be a season four. This thing is as popular as Get Out. Thank you very much. Get Out was very popular. That was very popular. Uh, thank you very much for listening to this episode of Hunting Seasons. You can find more of what we do via our website, huntingseasonspodcast.com. Our logo and design work comes from Sean Kirkpatrick, aka at Shawnee Boy Draws. And our theme song and bumpers come from Lucas Heil of Birthday Loyalty Club. Find links to their work in our show notes. You can also find myself, Broderick Gordas, on Twitter at bgordas, B-G-O-R-D-E-S to mask.
3: You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at @maskymo, maskymoo, M-A-S-K-Y-M-W. We will be back. Uh,
2: ne- there will be an off-topic, hot-topic episode. And after that, we'll be back to discuss Glow Season Three. Looking Ooh, forward to that yay! in a big t- in a big way. In the meantime, thank you again for listening. We will see you next time. Bye for now. Bye. Bye everybody. And so,